Thank you so much, guys. Awesome, awesome worship tonight. How you doing, Reckless? <laughs> that was kind of, he's making us say something. Yeah, I want to start a conversation tonight. I love that we're getting the opportunity to talk about heaven. And I don't want to start a conversation where you like talk back right now, because that would be weird and it would get out of control and you know that. But I want to start this conversation now so that when you're in groups later on, you can ask every question you want, any questions on the table, whatever you're thinking about heaven. If you think of something while I'm talking, like write it down and, and ask your group leader. And if they don't know, they'll ask Todd and he won't know either, but he can Google it. And so, you know, we'll figure it all out together. But I love the opportunity that we have to, to talk about this tonight. I mean, I love thinking about heaven. I, I like movies about heaven. I'm a, I'm a Tolkien, like Lord of the Rings nerd. Are there any other ner- Lord of the Rings nerds in the, in the house? Yeah, we're... Yeah, we're still hanging on by a hobbit thread, so this is fun. But the, uh, I mean, I've, I've always loved the books. Like, before there were ever movies, there were, there were books, and, and I've always loved that. And I, I remember some of my earliest impressions of heaven are actually from that book. There's this, I don't know if you remember, if, and most of you don't read, so you watch movies. But so, the, uh, if, there's this moment in, I think, in Return of the King, where the little, the little hobbit, which one is it? Is it, is it Pippin, maybe? He's talking to uh, the wizard. Uh, the white wizard, Gandalf. I can't believe I'm saying all this in front of you, but this is a real thing. And uh, written, by, written by a Christ follower. And the little hobbit asks the wizard, like, well, I guess we're going to die. Like, what's, this, this is the end. And I remember the comment the author makes through the character. He says, no, 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 this is not the end. And he begins to paint this picture. He says, on the, on the other side of this, there's, there's white shores and a far great country. And... The way that that phrase is used in that book and the way that that conversation goes down in that moment, it's something that has stuck with me for years and years and years. And I love, there's this idea that we don't really know what it is, but it's going to be everything that we ever wanted it to be. But I have a lot of questions. Like, what are we, what are we going to look like? Have you thought about this? Like, is there like a hair color? Is there like, I mean, are, are we going to have abs? I mean, I want to, I mean, it's heaven. You know, I mean, and I don't have abs. I've never had abs. Um, there was a period in college, a very short window, and I walked around with my shirt off like forever. I mean, every day, because I was like, this, I'm only going to have this now, and that was true. I mean, I want to look like Thor. I mean, seriously. Like, and then, I don't remember the guy's name in real life, and it doesn't matter, because he's Thor. And so, I just, I want to look like that guy. I mean, do we get to pick in heaven? And I mean, I know that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. God loves you just the way you are. But there's things I wonder, like, is, is anything going to change about my appearance? What is food going to be? And is it going to be all organic? And I mean, is that, if Zaxby's is not healthy, is it not going to be there? That's going to be a problem for me. I'm just wondering, like, I have so many questions. Am I going to be married? I'm married now. I'd like to keep her forever. That would be good. I don't know how she feels about this deal, but she maybe is hoping to get off the hook later on. But I'm hoping that, you know, this is going to last forever. But what if, I, if I've never been married? Do I get a chance to get married? And can I pick them there? I mean, how... What, how is all of this going to work? There's so many thoughts, and people have so many questions, and, and people write books, right, about going there. I mean, there's a little boy that he was, he was having his appendix out, and he went to heaven, and Jesus took his appendix out, and they made a movie about it, and it's kind of cool. And, so, and then there's the person who wrote a book like five years ago who made millions and millions of dollars about their trip to heaven, and then like last week said, just kidding, but I'm keeping the money. I mean, there's a lot of this. Our culture, that, it's a real thing. Our culture... People write about it, they talk about it, they claim to be there, but why, what is it? 
And my family, there's, there's a story. I don't know if there's stories like this in your family. My, my great-grandfather was in the hospital, and he, like, died on the table. So I, he's, he was really old at the time, and this happened a long time ago. I don't know what technology was like. I don't know if there was a machine where there was a flat line. I really don't know the whole thing. But I just remember the story that he told has been passed down to my family. And the story goes like this, that when he died, he tells the story later on because he comes back. Hang on, hang with me for a second. That sounds weird. But he's, he wasn't Jesus. But so he died and comes back and he tells a story of walking up a path like you would find in the Shire with a hill on both sides and people standing along the hill cheering him on, welcoming him. And then he had to come back. My family was praying in the hospital room and the doctors did something and brought him back. And he was mad for like months. Seriously, he was agitated. He was like, I was fine. People were clapping for me. I come back. All you people are crying. You're not clapping. And so what is, what's the deal? But it's this story that kind of gives us this little bit of, I don't know, there must be something else there. And the Bible talks about some very real things, but every once in a while, and we're going to talk about some of those things tonight, but every once in a while, God just gives you a, a glimpse. You know, we, we talked last week about heaven's our home, heaven is our, is our hope. And I don't know, to be real serious for a moment, I don't know how many of you have lost people that you know they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and today, heaven is their home, and you can't wait to see them. And every time a friend dies, every time a loved one dies, it just it makes it that much sweeter. And every once in a while, God just, God just reminds you of those people. And He reminds you of Himself. And He reminds you there is more going on than maybe, you will, than maybe we will ever understand. But one day, we will definitely see it more clearly. A couple years ago, if you go to Westridge, you know this, but a couple years ago, our worship pastor died. He was a cyclist. He got hit by a bus that was on a mechanic run, and he was thrown a long ways from the road, and he died instantaneously. My closest friend in the world. And for the 26 months that's gone by since that happened, we have been, my wife and I have been trying to help his family, other friends have been trying to help his family, Todd and Angie have helped his family. And, and today, actually, his wife, who's been like, kind of letting things go real, I mean, grief is so weird, she's been letting things go real slowly. She, she sent me a text Today, she said, there's this thing that, you know, we left open. And, and she said, I want to I shut it down because there's still thoughts of his that are out on the Internet. And it's his blog. She said, I, w- I want you to shut it down. I said, okay, I'll do that. He had just posted a few things. and I went in and I, I called him. We didn't have his, this is crazy, and this is kind of a side note. We didn't have his username or his password. It was a WordPress blog. I called a friend who does WordPress stuff for a living, and I said, I don't know how to shut this thing down. And I do not know how he did this. Okay, I used Google Chrome as my browser, and I was on the website. And within five minutes, my computer was logged into the page. I don't know how he did it. I don't want to know. Okay, It really kind of freaked me out. I sent him a text. I've been texting him all day. I sent him a text. How did you do that? That's the only text he didn't return. That's the last text I sent to him. He's not going to tell me. And uh, that would be cool, because I'm coming to your computer next. But anyway... So he logged me in, and I got to see today drafts, things that Andrew had not yet get to share with the world, but there were 
notes that were, he had prepared that were going to go out. And I'm getting to look at these things. And I was just dumbfounded at my desk. But for me, it was like there's a moment of sadness. There's a moment of happiness. There's, but really, in thinking about talking about heaven with you guys tonight, it's like it's these, it's, these little moments are like little breadcrumbs. Do you know what I mean by that? Like people used to, you know, you walk through a path in the woods and maybe it's, maybe it's a path in the snow and you want to make sure that you can find your way back home and you've got a crack, some crackers or some bread or, or whatever you'd have with you, Skittles would work. And you just, you just leave them behind in the snow and then you follow the Skittles back home, you know, from however far you've walked. Little breadcrumbs, little things that God shows us to say, one day you are going to make it home. There's something so much more going on here. There's something so much more worth living for than you see in your face every single day. It's the Bible calls it, it's the hope of heaven. It's the hope of heaven. So what is it exactly? I mean, we're going to be in this series for a couple weeks. And, and what's so great about this, it says on, on the screen. And there's, how can you like, how can you talk about this for three or four weeks? Can't you just like, you know, read a page and be done? But the Bible says so much about this. And there's so many different things going on here. There's so many, there's so many, I hope you'll come back next week. Next week's going to be even, even better. But even as Todd set it up last week, and then tonight I just want to talk with you for just the next few minutes, and I want you to be thinking about questions for your small groups. What's heaven like right now? Like, where's my, where's my grandpa right now? My grandpa who died a, a few years ago. Where is my great-grandpa that I told the story about? Where's, where's Andrew right now? What, what could he be experiencing? I mean, what, is, he, is he biking? Is he singing? Is, I mean... What are they doing right now? What is this like? I want to, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 16. They're probably going to put a few of the scriptures I use tonight on the screen. I'm going to use a bunch of them, so you might just want to write down references and, and go back to them later on. Jesus tells a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, an earthly story that has a greater meaning. And when Jesus talks about heaven... Sometimes he does it in parables, and then sometimes he just says it flat out. But whether he's saying a parable or he's just teaching about it, he says the same things. So we're not going to look at everything that he said tonight, but I just want you to know, he says the same things like when he tells the story here. So Luke chapter 16, verse 24 says, is talking about a rich man who dies. And he calls out and he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Jesus is telling a story, okay? doesn't all necessarily go down exactly like this, but there's some principles here. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus, the poor guy in the story, to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus and man are bad things, but now he is comforted here and you're in anguish. Besides all of this, Between us and you, there's a great chasm, there's a great gulf that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you to help you out would not be able to. And none may cross from there to us. So, we're not going to talk about hell like really at all tonight. I just want to say a couple of things about it. We want to focus our attention on heaven, but the a couple of things I want you to see from Jesus' story, first and foremost, is that when we die, our destination is one of two very real, very physical places. I mean, a man talks about 
There's anguish, there's comfort in Jesus' story. There's thirst in the story. There's pain for the one guy in the story. And there's peace for the other. Matthew 10, verse 28, Jesus says, Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him, God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And here's all I want to say about hell. Just a couple of things real quick. And we'll talk about heaven the rest of the time. But here's the deal. To deny the existence of a real place of suffering and punishment is to cheapen the sacrifice of Jesus, who took so much on himself. He took the wrath of God on himself. All the sins of the world were thrown upon him. And he hung on that cross for this reason, so that no one would go to that place of anguish and that place of pain. God's love has paid the bill in the form of Jesus. I mean, that's why we worship. That's why we sing. But love doesn't force anyone to get on the right path. God's love, I mean, some of you here tonight, you say, I don't really have the hope of heaven. In fact, this may as well be like a Lord of the Rings movie deal because this doesn't feel very, very real to me and I'm, I'm not really sure what we're talking about. Here, here's the thing. I want you to know this is a real physical place. God's not going to force you. We're not going to force you to try to feel anything about this. But when you understand that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you, he went through anguish. He went through pain so that you would never, ever have to. So let's talk about heaven. Jesus' parable, this person is carried right away, as soon as they, as soon as they die, to one of two places. And this place called heaven is known as the place where God is. Here's a, a definition of heaven. Heaven is wherever God rules and has his way. That's how Pastor Brian has defined it for years, and I think that's so perfect. Heaven, a real and physical place, but it's also, it's wherever God rules and has his way. And beyond this life, people wrote down some God-inspired, God-breathed words in Scripture to tell us some things about heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, this is what's written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Listen, I don't know what it's all going to look like. I don't know if I'm going to ever have abs. I don't know what it's going to be like for you. I just know that we can talk about it, we can ask questions about it, that the Bible's going to give us some things about it. But at the end of the day, the Apostle Paul says, listen, everything that's written down, everything that's known, we can never really know how incredible this place is going to be. It's going to be beyond great. Even in the Old Testament, they talked about this. In the book of Nehemiah, it says, You are the Lord God, you alone. You made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worship you. Heaven is a place full of worship. doesn't mean it's a never-ending church service, but it means it's a place full of people who every single moment of eternity are living to honor the one who sent his son to die to allow them to be in this place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says to be absent from the body. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. From that moment, from the moment you leave this earth, you're with Jesus if you put your faith in him. Heaven is uniquely God's home. And even though He is everywhere at all times, He's omnipresent. He's in this room with us now. Heaven is the very unique place of His residence. 
Heaven is where angels reside. I don't know what angels look like. I mean, it doesn't look like what you did earlier, although that was really cool. Um, I don't know if they... Do they play the game in heaven? Are there unicorns? There's no unicorns, just so you know. At least not in the Bible. Um, I don't, all dogs don't go to heaven. Maybe they do. I don't, that, that, I don't want to... I just broke four hearts in the room. So um, pit bulls don't go to heaven, so don't worry about it. The, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. So... Um, The Apostle Paul says, listen, we can expect to recognize some people there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, For what is our hope or joy or or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus as as it is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. In another place, the Apostle Paul says, You, I shall know, I shall know you, just as I also am known, just as you will know me. Think about this for just just a minute, okay? Think about this. The joy of heaven, one of the biggest reasons for the hope of heaven, is that there are people, hopefully, that you know right now, who are not on the path to heaven, right? I mean, you go to school with them. They live in your neighborhood. I mean, they're, in your family, there are people that you know right now who maybe are not on the same path that you're on, who've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have, I have people in my family. I have people in my street. I work at the church. I think everyone's covered, but we're working on Todd. The, uh, but the Apostle Paul says this. Listen, there's going to be people there that he could say, that I helped, I helped them get on the path. I helped them discover this hope of heaven. And for all of us here tonight, I mean, it should be our mission. It should be our prayer every single day for those that we know in our lives right now who are not on the path, that we would do everything we can to point them to Jesus. The Apostle Paul said that's part, that's part of the reward. It's a big deal. Who do you know right now? It's not on their way to this place. Who do you know? And what might God ask you to do to help get them on the right path? Heaven is the place where all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus reside. Most importantly, most importantly, heaven is where Jesus is. Hebrews chapter 9 says, Jesus Christ has entered into, not into holy places made with hands, which are just copies of the real things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. I have these moments every once in a while when I, I get really inspired by like great architecture. I don't know if any of you have this thing. I, I have this thing. I don't mean like a big house in a you know, northwest Atlanta neighborhood, you know, in Brookstone or Seven Hills. Or I don't mean anything like that. I just mean there are times where I'm, I'm standing in places and I'm going... Is it going to be like this? I was in London last week. This was a cool thing. I, I got to go to London. I saw um, Westminster Abbey, where Kate was married to some guy, and the um, to Will. I saw St. Paul's Cathedral, which was a great name for a great, awesome building. And that was where um, Charles and Diana got married. didn't work out, but that's where they got married. I'm looking at these... Beautiful buildings. I got off the the tube, as they say. I got off the tube in London. 
I got off at the right place and I walked to the top of the stairs and there's Big Ben. Like that's in Peter Pan. That's a big deal to me. And I'm looking at all these incredible buildings and I always have these thoughts like, wow, how did people come up with this? And I, seriously, just because this is one of the things I'm into, but God kind of always impresses on my heart, not even close. It's not even close. There's so much more than we could ever have come up with. That's what Hebrews 9 says. Listen, Jesus is in a place today. He, God resides in a place today. It's not like anything we've seen before. Everything we're doing here at best is a copy. I mean, we can't even begin to comprehend this. In John chapter 14, it says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's a lot of rooms. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. With a big, big yard. He's, he caught on. You win. Jesus says, if it were not so, what I have told... Some of you are going, what in the world just happened? If it were not so, what I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I'm going, you may go there too. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So, back in the day, when a man and woman were engaged to be married. There was, of course, this engagement time that goes by, this engagement period, right? And, you know, today during engagements, it's like you got to find the place to get married. you got to find, you know, the, the pretty church or the pretty spot. you got to get invitations out. you got to order flowers. you got to register for gifts. you got to, you know, do all... you got to get the food ready. you, know, you got all this, all this stuff. But back in the day, really, there... You didn't really set a date so much, you just kind of watched. And you just watched the guy in the relationship start to work on his family's house. And he would add a room. He would add maybe a couple of rooms. He would add to the place where he was going to live with the woman that he wanted to be his wife. And when the room was done, when that new portion of the house was done, they could get married. They could have a ceremony. They could start their lives together. Jesus says, listen, we've got this kind of period of time right now where not everybody knows what's all the details and all things. Can, can you just trust me with this? I'm working on it. Jesus himself it says, I'm building your place. I've got something incredible prepared for you. Jesus, when he was on the cross one of the thieves that was hanging on one side kind of mouthed off at him, and the other thief went like, listen, dude, that's Jesus. You don't talk to him like that. And then he looked at Jesus, and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked back at the thief, and he said, today, because you're going to die today, obviously, they're hanging on the cross. He said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. So in the New Testament, there's not just this word, heaven. In fact, the word... Heaven really more applies to what you guys are going to be talking about next week. But there's this place that Jesus talked about called paradise. The Apostle Paul picks up on it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, I know a man in Christ, a believer in Jesus, who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, he calls it. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. But I know that this man was caught up into paradise and he heard things that cannot be told 
which man may not utter. What is this place where people go right now? So the thief on the cross dies that very day. And Jesus says that very day to be absent from the bodies and be present with the Lord. That very day you're going to be in a place. Hebrews 11 gives us a little bit about this place of comfort, this place of peace, a place where time doesn't seem to matter. It sounds like something out of a Tolkien book, Hebrews. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, different people think different things about this particular passage of Scripture and what the Bible thinks. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think that paradise right now, this place of comfort and peace, where Jesus is building a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, is part of the city of God. And the Bible tells us a little bit about this city. And these are some things that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. This city goes 1,500 miles in every direction, including up. The walls are 1,500 miles high. If you were to place the city on America, if you were to place the city there, it would take up more than half of America. It would take up more than half its, its footprint. It's enormous. It has 12 foundations filled with beautiful gemstones. Revelation chapter 21 tells us the 12 gates were... Twelve pearls, the pearly gates, if you heard this. Each of the gates made of a single pearl. That's a massive pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. This beautiful place of peace, comfort, joy, and rest. Where God is. Where Jesus is. And this is all amazing. And it's temporary. I want you to catch this. It's temporary. What do you mean? So like we're going to heaven and then we're going to like die again? No, no, no. Is it going to hurt? No. There's not, a, there's not another moment of death. But there is something coming. That's next week, by the way. So you need to come back and bring like 17 friends because it's pretty cool. You're going to want them to hear about it. And you're going to want them to hear it because, listen, when all is said and done, those people that are not on the path now, you're going to want them on this path. It's a better, it's not, it's not just for later, it's a better way to live right now. We don't know a lot about all of heaven right now physically. A place where our, our souls go. But one day, God will restore this whole world. That's what a little bit of next week is going to be about. But I want to talk about one other thing before I, or as I wrap up tonight. Just, there's not that many details on this. And Todd said, talk about heaven. I said, can I talk about hell too? It takes more time. Said, no, don't do that. We just want to focus on, on heaven. There's not that much. There's just a few verses. There's a lot about what's to come after. And some of you are going, I didn't know there was an after. Come back next week. Small group leaders, don't answer the questions. Make them come back next week, all right? Bring 17 friends. 
But when Jesus talked about heaven, when he used the word heaven, this is so huge. I, I, I want you guys to catch this. He talked about something. He talked about it a little differently. Jesus' main message was this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's near. It's right now. It's right on top of you. The word that Jesus used when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand would be like going to the doctor and them like looking in your ear. I don't like to talk about the tongue depressor because I have a gag reflex and I would gag in front of you. So let's talk about the ear. In other words, the word that Jesus uses is like it's so close to you, it's right on top of you. Like it kind of makes you want to, can you give, give me a second? Okay, now he's on the other side. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. It's right now. You're going, you have not been to my school. It is not heaven. Some of you are thinking, you haven't been to my house. It's not heaven. My parents are not angels. My step-parent may be a demon, as far as we know. I don't know. Um, and then there's my little brother. That's, there's a whole other... How, how many ca- lower categories can we go into here? But Jesus said something very, very different. He said, there's something right here, right now. Listen to this. Luke chapter 7 says, At that time, Jesus, because he could do this, he cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and tell my cousin John, who was asking some questions. He says, Go back and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus said, listen, what I'm doing needs to be seen and it needs to be heard. So Jesus lives, does lots of miracles, does lots of incredible things. Dies on the cross for our sins, is raised from the dead, and seated with God today, the right hand of God. But the kingdom of heaven still must be seen and heard. How can the work of Jesus be seen and heard today in such a way that makes people think maybe this place is not all there is. How can the kingdom of heaven be seen and heard today in such a way that the people that you encounter every day think there is something so different going on here? How how does that happen? What's you? You have to be the work of Jesus carried on. In fact, Jesus said this. The Bible says this. Let me say it this way. 
The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, heaven is planted like a seed inside of you. And if you'll water it, if you'll take care of the seed, the seed will like grow. It's a, it's a metaphor, it's a picture. Okay, don't get too weirded out. It'll grow, and if you keep watering it, and if you keep going, it will, it will take you over. The kingdom of heaven can take over right now. By the way we love God. By the way we love our neighbor. By the way we love one another and encourage one another. By the way we love our enemies. By the way we love the people who have wronged us the most in this world. By the way we forgive one another. Even when we do stupid things and stab one another in the back. Talk bad about each other. By the way we live our lives today, according to the things that Jesus taught, we can live our lives in such a way that the kingdom of heaven can be seen and heard in you. So here's the question, real simple. I know we're talking about heaven, so let's talk about you as heaven for just a second. When people see and hear you, do they want to go to the place that you say that you're going? When people see and hear you, most importantly, do they want to go to the place that Jesus has said he is prepared for them and for you? Another place is prepared. It wasn't made for people. The Bible says it was made for Satan and all the fallen angels, all the demons. But this place that God has made, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no one can even really even begin to describe it. This place was made for you and made for everyone you come in contact with. But in order for them to get on the path to get to getting there, in order for them to put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ who died for their sins, who rose from the dead for, for them so that they could have eternal life, in order for them to get that, they've got to see it in us. They've got to see it in us every day. We have to be the evidence that heaven is great. We have to be the evidence that heaven is great. What you do in the present, what you do tonight, what you do tomorrow, the day after that and the day after that, will last into the future. What you do will last into the future. Hopefully, Hopefully, in the form of very real people that you're with every single day who you're going to influence to join you in God's great future kingdom. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? When someone sees God at work, they're getting a glimpse of heaven. When someone sees God at work in you, when they can see the kindness of God in you, when they can see you loving Him, worshiping Him, loving people, 
someone sees you living like not everybody else, but following God with your life every single day, they are getting a glimpse of a future so great that we can't even begin to describe it. So there's a couple of questions tonight. One is, if you're here and you don't have the hope of heaven and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't know that you're going there. I just want you tonight, when we get done, I want you to go to your small group leader and I want you to tell them that. And they will take the opportunity to pray with you and help you understand what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And for still with your heads bowed and for with your eyes closed, for a lot of you, I know a lot of you have put your faith and trust in Jesus. Can I ask you, and there's, this is not guilt, this is just evaluation that we all have to do every single day. Can people see heaven in you? Did people see heaven in you today? Did they see God at work in you today? Would you pray and ask God, maybe it's a daily prayer of your own making, whatever you think you need to say to him. Pray and ask God that they would see the kingdom, that they would hear it in your words, and that you would be able to see many, many of your friends, your family, and all you come in contact with in this great place one day. God, in your word, you've given us but a glimpse. In our lives, you give us breadcrumbs. But God, I pray that we would be motivated by this hope of heaven, that we would be motivated by the fact more than anything else, it's where Jesus is. It's what he died for so that we could join him in this place and spend eternity with him. God, for those in this room who the kingdom of heaven has already planted in their hearts, Lord, may they nurture it, may it grow wild so that it's seen and heard every single day. God, it can grow in a reckless way. And we'd love to see it happen and put you on display. We give that, give every single one of these students, this awesome group of people to you tonight. May they change the world that you've given them to live in. In Jesus' name, amen.